Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. Lacrosse fans, it's Tuesday and that means it's time for another episode of LAX Class here on Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. This is episode number 57 about to come your way and a great program lined up for you as always here on Lacrosse Classified. My name is Jake Elliott. Thanks for joining us. My partner Evan Schemenauer will join us here momentarily as I want to let you know who we got coming up on the program, what we're going to talk about here today as well. We got the greatest lacrosse player to ever play the sport of box lacrosse. John Tavares, the head coach of the Buffalo Bandits, will join us here in about 15, 20 minutes from now. And then the left-handed snipe show, Benny Boy, Brian Benesh from the Halifax Thunderbirds, will be on the program as well. We're going to have who we had. We're going to have who you got. And, of course, our new future under review. Um, Evan, let's get you in here. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, how was the weekend, man? What, what's going on back in Saskatoon? You know, a fairly successful weekend for the soccer team. I had to be, I was really impressed. Uh, it was my son's 17th birthday. At the same time, all three games were going on, so that was interesting. Um, but, you know, if it's if it's episode 57, it feels like it's minus 57 here in Saskatoon <laughs> right now. It hit minus 28 last night. I kid you oh, not. Oh, man. For those in the U.S., it's about minus 20. It's getting pretty close to being the same thing. Well, I was uh, I was out, uh, just got back from the gym, having shorts and a long sleeve T-shirt. Bright, sunny day here in British Columbia. Uh, I had a busy weekend myself. I, I took a emergency CPR class over the weekend. I passed, by the way, so I'm now uh, officially a lifesaver, I suppose, or the ability to save lives. Uh, and then, actually, uh, our new sponsor here in G. Wilson Construction had their holiday party, and uh, the boss threw, threw me and Danny an invite. So I, I took him up on that. We went out to Harrison Hot Springs uh, to the resort there, got a... Had a beautiful evening, uh, fantastic evening, uh, and it was kind of neat to go to a Christmas party or a holiday party where neither of us worked. Like, we didn't know anybody. <laughs> it was kind of like we, we were a bit of uh, party crashers, but it was a great time. Well, we got the drink count from you on the troop chat, mm, too. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. Which, with a diet, is not necessarily the best well, thing. Well, no, the listen, CPR. listen. I was I was drinking uh, vodka sodas, Evan. So very minimal calories involved in that. But and and for you know people that don't know, like I, I used to drink quite a bit. Uh, never really like had an issue with it or anything. But I've really kind of just toned that right down. Like I barely ever drink. And and on the weekend, uh, I got after a little bit to the point where where the. The woman, did, she convinced me to get out on the dance floor this weekend. I woke up the next day after doing uh, after doing CPR for like five, six hours, all the chest compression thing, and then getting out there and, and shaking my booty for three or four songs. I woke up the next day feeling like I was in a car accident, like my body hurt. 
<laughs> well, I mean, the CPR could come in handy too, just in case Flaherty hyperventilates. Mm. You know, making the call up in the broadcast booth. Well, I can't wait to to get back into Saskatoon this weekend. Uh, just got my flight and itinerary and all that sort of stuff uh, from Myrna, so it's it's go time. For the home opener for the rush, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later and Stampede Tax, who you got. Now normally we're we're thinking that we're gonna leave under review to the fourth quarter, and now we're kinda thinking we might move this up to quarter number one and, and we are, are gonna do that here this week for sure, because it's the biggest story in the National Lacrosse League this week, and it's the suspension that has been handed down by the National Lacrosse League to the reigning MVP in Dane Doby, who, well, Evan, you explain this. You're much more in tune with the rule book than I am, and, and lay this out here on what has happened, why it's happened, and, and what's going to happen moving forward. Okay, so let's start with the first thing here in that Everybody is out there asking what happened. And let's put it this way. You have been told, I've been told by third-party sources as to what occurred. I don't think either of us is comfortable discussing it because, you know, given that we could get the slightest thing wrong and we could spread, you know, just only spread the rumor mill. Yeah, uh, just to stop you, Evan. Let's not get into that part. No, the the league has wanted to keep this uh, private. We kind of know what has been said, and it's not something we want to say on this podcast. It's not something you ever want to hear, and we're just going to kind of follow the footsteps here of the league and and try and keep this uh, under wraps as much as possible. Okay, but getting into it, I think we can both agree, based on what we've been told, the gross misconduct is clear-cut, correct? I would concur, yes. Okay. So, now, first things first, a lot of fans are going to ask, what the heck is a gross misconduct? This might get a little bit technical, but just stay with me for a second. If I go back to what I teach my young ball hockey referees, because the same rule in hockey and lacrosse apply, the gross misconduct rule is travesty of the game you've made a travesty of the game and to kind of get you to a point as to what we mean by this i had a situation well 20 30 years ago in hockey coach starts bicking at me okay that's a two-minute minor he starts complaining loud enough that the fans on the other side of the arena can start hearing him that's a game misconduct we still haven't even got to the point there when he stands on top of the boards and continues his protest, that's where the gross misconduct comes into play. In fact, he got a second one for leaping over the boards and trying to chase me around the ice, trying to go for a second go at me. But that's the extent of a gross misconduct. Now, the NLL rulebook also in Rule 42 goes through some very specific guidelines to say, in these situations, you must assess a gross misconduct, which are uh, striking or attempting to strike a spectator, um, anything that is uh, a taunt or a slur in a form of re- based on religion, gender, sexual orientation, or race, um, and also anything that is uh, any attempt to spit at an opponent or official, anything like that. So 
this is a very, very severe, and to think about it this way, gross is not disgusting. That's get that definition out of your head. Gross is the other definition of the word, which is large. It's the largest form of misconduct that you can receive. Now, in the Canadian Hockey Association, Canadian Ball Hockey Association, the minimum suspension's two. I believe in the CLA, it's three. What's been levied here is this, and this is where I start to have a problem with what happened, is the league has, has given Doby one game for the gross misconduct, then turns around to the infamous rule 41.4. And you might remember us hammering this rule to death last year. It's the same rule they used to suspend Greg Harnett initially for six games and also Callum Crawford for six games. It's the repeat offender rule. Now, in both those cases, the league lost the appeal. In Harnett's case, they lost it because the rule was poorly worded at the time. And the arbitrator said, well, it's not clear if it's five games or six games, so we're going to go with five. In Crawford's case, they reduced it to two games for the repeat offense and one for the actual action because, as Jason Jaros told us on this podcast, that would have meant Crawford would have lost 10000 in salary, and that is too big of a punishment based on what he did. Now, that's the first hurdle that the league has got to deal with, is that is what Doby did worth losing $10,000 of salary for? They should have rewritten, when they rewrote 41.4 this offseason, they should have probably reduced the number of games for the repeat offense from five to three, something the arbitrator would have probably accepted. That's their first problem. Their second problem is what they did rewrite in 41.4 is that if you have any repeat offense starting in the 2017-18 season, so two years ago, that repeat offense sticks with you the rest of your career. I think, Evan, I think this now... Yeah, like this this has been retroactive now. So this just stayed like I thought it was after a two year period that it, yeah. it reset, but now they're saying but now it doesn't it sticks with you forever. 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 And think about it this way. If a rookie makes a mistake in his rookie year, twelve years from now, it could be used against him. That's not right. You know. Yeah, I mean you'd like to think guys and, and the and and to add to it. So now a repeat offender, you get a match, you get a gross, whatever, you you get the five games. You do it again, it goes up to 10. You do it again, it goes up to 15. And that's a season. A like you're done. season, basically. So, yeah. you know, like I, I think there's got to be some sort of I, – I, I'm all for the repeat offender. I'm all for punishing guys for, for going after headshots and trying to injure guys because nobody wants to see that. And listen, for what's happened here with Dane Doby, and, well, you know, we try and stay as objective as we can here, Evan. It's and, and, it's and way the, too much. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. And what Doby is alleged to say cannot go unpunished. What is happening here is the league is, is trying to keep this under wraps. They don't want what has been said to come out. I get that because it, it's a bad luck for everybody involved. Um, I don't know, man. Like I, Well, here's the other problem, maybe. Let me get into this part. Is that 
Rule 42 is very poorly written. It's, I'd say, lazy in its application that it says, here's everything a gross misconduct is. Anybody gets a gross misconduct, gets a match penalty. Now, for those that understand the rule book, a match penalty is intent to injure, okay? Physically intent to injure an opponent. Doby has a face masking match from just shy of two years ago. Yeah. So they're trying to say what he did here and what he did there is the same offense. You're a repeat offender. And in two no totally different things. Book, two no totally different things. Do they do does a gross misconduct match a match penalty? What they should have done was laid out in Rule 42 saying, here's the punishment for a gross misconduct. And if you get two grosses, okay, now you're a repeat offender for a gross misconduct. Yeah. That's fine. But to mix the two, that's not right. Hopefully that explains things a little bit better. And we'll see what happens because it almost seems like, you know, Commissioner Sakevich came out and said, we've dealt with, with the situation. All parties that were involved in the situation were included in, in the decision. And that's as far as it's going to go. So you wonder whether the PLPA and Dane Doby have agreed to not appeal this suspension and just, you know, kind of let things settle and go away and, and maybe learn a hard lesson here. Because I think if they do appeal, then obviously what is alleged to have been said is going to have to come out in the appeal process. And I don't know. Certainly the league doesn't want that. I don't think I want that either. And I don't know if the PLPA and Dane Doby want that either. So well, maybe maybe it goes is- away. But I want to say this, Evan, for, again, the people on social media, Facebook groups, fan pages, forums, whatever, that are saying this is BS and this is ridiculous and trying to compare it to the Crawford or whatever situation, you don't know what you're talking about and you're and you're claiming things that you have no idea what you're speaking to. So we're trying to do our best to inform you of, of what's happening here. But to start flying off the handle on social media talking about how this is ridiculous and he doesn't deserve it and you don't know what he said or what was hap- what happened. So pump your brakes, get educated, figure out what's going on, and then maybe make an informed comment. And right. I know social media is a bit of a slippery slope for that because any keyboard warrior can get out there and start thumbing out tweets or pounding out Facebook posts without knowing what the heck they're talking about. Don't do that. That's stupid. And next, you know, when we roll around to summer, that type of thing's going to get you an F. So pump your brakes yeah. on that and, and, and get yourself informed before you start making stupid comments. That's, that's what I want to say on that. Well, and, and the final thing I just want to say on it is I think the PLPA has to appeal. We actually reach out to them to try and get an explanation and to see where they stood on it, and they just declined to comment on it. But if they're saying that this repeat offender five-game rule is inappropriate, and they did in the Crawford case, yeah, I think they have to appeal it once again to say this p- level of punishment is not appropriate because they don't want – a precedent set saying, well, in this case, Doby got six games. Yeah. Right? Because he would be eligible to return February 22nd. 
that's a long time without your captain. Well, listen, <laughs> it is. And, and let's not forget, like, the guy is the MVP of the regular season and the Champions Cup and the defending Calgary Roughnecks. And whether it's Dane Doby or Jordy Jones-Smith or Nick Tchaikovsky, whoever, the, the rules are the rules, and you can't say, well, it's, you know, it's the MVP, it's Dane Doby. We can't... Uh, we got to treat this this situation differently than if it was, you know, a fringe defender in the league. You, you can't look at it like that. I don't know if the PLPA can look at it like that. I don't know, think the league can look at it like that. It's it's a real tough situation and not something anybody wants. And, and I think it's going to be a hard learning lesson for a bunch of people involved on how to deal with something like this. And I don't know if the league has ever really had to go down this road before. But here we are in 2019 when, you know, this is a sign of the times when we all as human beings need to be better as a society. And that carries into sport and and lacrosse um, right across the board. So tough, uh, tough pill to swallow here for the Calgary Roughnecks and Dane Doby. We're going to see how it plays out with the PLPA as well. But we kind of wanted to explain the rule and the application of the rule and hopefully i mean you you did that evan so hopefully people are more informed and get a little bit of a better understanding on why this rule was applied and and how it was applied as that right there evan was g wilson constructions under review now we are going to get a fancy little soundbite done up here by the pa voice of the vancouver warriors my good friend Mr. Donald Andrews uh, couldn't quite get it done in time for this episode. Hopefully that will be ready to go for next episode. But I do want to let you know, G. Wilson Construction, an award-winning firm with a single focus, building fine custom homes. So I'm talking to Blair Wilson out at the, the holiday company Christmas party here over the weekend. I said, you know, like... You don't have any social media, which apparently is by design by his company. And I said, you know, like, don't don't you kind of feel like you're building these gorgeous custom homes and you're not on social media for the world to see them? And I said, don't you think, like, don't you want to show off your work? And he said, no, not really. Um, I don't want my competitors to know what I'm doing. (laughs) I said, okay, I I can get my head around that. That makes sense. I said, but how do you... How do you drum up business then? Like, how do you advertise and and get new clients? And he said, Jake, you know, like when you build a home for somebody and and they're, say, like a multimillionaire or even a billionaire, and you you build a home for them and, and they like what you do, they probably got friends that are multimillionaires and billionaires, and they're going to say, like, hey, you're building a new house. Why don't you try this guy? So literally, he's in his 40th year of, of business, and he's won awards after awards, but it's all literally word of mouth is how he finds his next job. So um, he doesn't want to do a ton of advertising. I don't want to I don't want to start, you know, laying out uh, where his houses are being built and who, who they're being built for, but... Uh, if you want to check out gwilsonconstruction.com, that's that's the direction I'm going to point you in. But I, I kind of found that interesting. Like, hey, no, I don't, I don't want my com- my competitors to know what I'm doing. And don't worry, like, word of mouth has been just fine for my company for the last 40 years. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm I just surprised though he wouldn't put a picture of a finished product because anybody could go look at yeah, the Yeah, but if you don't know where to go look... Product, like, 
that's our building. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know where to go, look. And and that's the other thing he said is that you know if you're if you're a guy with that kind of wealth and you probably don't want people knowing where your house is, right? Like I, I, it, yeah. it makes it makes True sense. Enough. It makes sense to me. Anyways, yeah. that was G Wilson Construction under review, and hopefully uh, that that's become a little clearer to you. Sorry for getting a little riled up there, Evan. Let's uh, we got to get moving here. We got John Tavares coming up here in about ten minutes, Evan. We got to get through who we had. It's presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. More than just a boot store, they carry a wide range of outdoor wear and jean jackets, including the all-time classic, the Storm Rider. Have you got your Storm Rider yet, Evan? <laughs> no, Not yet. Maybe no. for Christmas. Maybe for Christmas. Great for the outdoors. Stampy Tack and Western Wear. They're located in Cloverdale. They've been there since 1967. You can shop online. I might do some online shopping today. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Three games in the National Lacrosse League in week number two, Evan. Um, where should we start? I guess we should probably start in the Atlantic time zone as the Halifax Thunderbirds kicked off their brand new season wearing the purple and orange out there in Halifax they were taking on the New York Riptide and man what what a start here for the Thunderbirds what was it Evan seven nothing eight nothing after 15 minutes of play and they never looked back seven nothing after 15 eight nothing after 15 and a half yeah and then they just kind of put it on cruise control and and uh, a great start here for the Thunderbirds. I was a little, I felt a little bit bad, quite frankly, for the Riptide. I mean, it's, I don't think this is going to be the norm for them. Like, you're not going to see teams get out to seven, eight, nothing leads on, on the regular here against the Riptide. But it was just like it was a snowball that just picked up momentum and started rolling downhill. And the Riptide could never really recover. And then it was just kind of cruise control in the back half of that game. 12-4. Your finalists, the Thunderbirds go 1-0, and the Riptide go 0-1. Oh we both took the Thunderbirds. We're both 1-0. We both took the Thunderbirds, yeah. Now, of course, Jake Withers, you know, literally wins the opening faceoff, finds an open lane, and within 10 seconds, they've got a goal. And it, it, it'd be an interesting exercise to see how the fans felt about that game because in that first quarter, they were out of their seats almost the entire quarter. And then the rest was just kind of a boring going through the the steps type of game. But, you know, it made me a little bit concerning for the Thunderbirds that they didn't score in about 40 minutes at one stage. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's, that's a little concerning. But for the Riptide, let's put it this way. It was 7 nothing at the end of the first quarter. And then the Riptide only had five shots on goal at that point. <laughs> you know what, Evan? I've been in, I've been involved in enough lacrosse games to know that it's just human nature. Like guys don't want to embarrass other guys when it comes to that, and it's just human nature when you get up in a big lead like that in the sport of lacrosse. It's human nature just to kind of take your foot off the pedal a little bit. You know you're going to win the game. They know that you're going to win the game, and you just kind of go through the motions out there. And it it makes for not very entertaining lacrosse to watch, but that's kind of what you mm-hmm. get when you get a lead like that. Yeah, and maybe the only other point here is is that I don't expect the Riptide offense to be this bad no. the whole season. No, they're, they're just getting used to playing with one another. They haven't played with one another before. 
it'll take some time. Very that, similar to the Nighthawks, right? Very similar to the Nighthawks and their struggles in the opening game. And, and until you get out there in live game action and get those reps under the big lights and get video to break down so you can show your team what they did well and what they didn't do so well, it's going to take a little time. Speaking of time, we're short on it, Evan. Let's move along. New England, the Black Wolves go into Toronto and come away with a 12-8 victory. Dawson with a couple. Jones with just one. Not much out of Hellier and Schreiber. A little concerning for the Toronto offense to kick off their home schedule in their season. But uh, let's give the Black Wolves some credit here. Led by Dougie Jameson. Pretty complete 60-minute effort here for Glenn Clark and his Black Wolves as they beat the Rock 12-8. And we both had Toronto in this game. And we fact, did. Only 15% of the people in who you got actually had taken the Black Wolves. 14 out of 95. Now, the, the, the one interesting thing here is how many opportunities Callum Crawford got. This is the one guy you'd want to shut off at any moment. And he, what, had 16 shots in this game? You know, absolutely fabulous performance. Nick Rowe's a little shaky out the gates. There were a lot of goals that he would want to get back, and I know there's these haters in Toronto that blame Nick Rose for everything wrong with the team. You know, they, Yeah, they got some ammunition in this one, but I don't expect that to continue. Toronto just needs to find its way. Um, the attendance is a little concerning, too, considering it's a Saturday, but I think this is one trend that we're starting to see is that December is not a good time, not going to be a good time for attendance across the league. People just don't have a whole lot of liquid income in December with their Christmas shopping going yeah. on. Yeah, and I think that's why you see the spread out bye weeks to kind of kick off the season as well, right? Yeah, I think teams are trying to limit their schedule to one, maybe two games in December before they kind of turn the calendar and move on. Seven points for Crawford in that one. You mentioned the 16 shots, 22 attempted. By the way, when we had Jamie Dowick on, uh, and we were talking about Brad Cree and faceoffs. Well, Cree took the majority and did quite well, twelve for eighteen in the faceoff dot for Cree. But it looks like he's going to be the per or the pro- prominent faceoff man there for Toronto in the short term. Anyways, uh, one more game to go before we get to the living legend John Tavares, uh, San Diego at Buffalo. This is a good game, Evan. Thirteen ten Bandits win it. Uh, but probably the most entertaining out of the three. Yeah, it was back and forth, back and forth. Buffalo typically getting a one or two goal lead, San Diego coming back. And San Diego, in fact, had a one goal lead at one stage. But it seemed like in that second half, somebody scored. The other team had the answer within a minute. And it was just back and forth. Here's the really positive thing for San Diego out of this game, in that when you look at their offense, they're starting five up front. They only have one guy back in the lineup from last year, and that's yeah. Kyle Buchanan, the yeah. only one. And you got Westberg out there, who had two goals. Jeremy Noble, who had two goals. He only had five all of last year. Zach Greer with five with points. Zach Greer had two goals. That's a positive sign for them. For the Bandits, you know, of course, Dane Smith getting three goals and Corey Small getting three, but Chris Cloutier gets mm-hmm. three. Yeah, This is the guy that, you know, was the number two pick a year and a half ago for Philadelphia. Then they trade him away. Now that the Bandits are a little thinner on offense, that seemed to work. The one, two things for the Bandits that didn't work, 
One was, you know, they had Ian McKay and Nick Weiss taking almost all the draws, and neither one did well. And for the talent level that Ian McKay has, that's the last guy I would probably want to put at the face-off. Yeah. I thought I'd want to put him elsewhere. Well, how about the little the duder, thing- Evan? Eight for ten for Jeremy Noble in the face-off dot. I didn't even yeah. know he took face-offs. Well, and the other thing for Buffalo, the one concern I might have is how San Diego got most of those goals was they literally threw a fake in there, and Buffalo's defense bit every time, and somebody's wide open on the top of the crease. Huh. They got to start to, you know, to, to take take their time and you know realize. Those fakes are coming. Yeah, over 10,000 there in Banditland to watch the Bandits beat the Seals 13-10. San Diego actually outshot, out loose, balled, and out faceoffed Buffalo. But it's the Bandits who come out on top 13-10. to We both had Buffalo in that one. So we both go two for three. Evan now sits at five and one. I'm at four and two. You still have a game lead on me, which means I get to host who you got later. Uh, but the week two winner, Evan, is it Lively or is it Lively? I want to go with Lively. Sure. I, I, I'm not Probably should have double-checked that. Brian, sorry, Brian, if I'm getting your last name wrong. Brian Lively uh, coming up with the victory here, and you had to go to the second tiebreaker to decide this once again. Almost another yep. 100 entrants into who you got for week two. And the sad thing is my 11-year-old daughter, Dorina, is beating me. <laughs> She's six and oh on these picks. It's hilarious. Six and oh, that's uh well it's a long I said, Evan, it's a long year. It's a marathon, not a sprint here. You got a one game lead at five and one. It, listen, if I'm above five hundred at the end of the year, I like I, I claim that to be a moral victory. I that's all I that's all I can hope for, really. This is uh this is only my second and year going, going on the record here. And you're going to end up above 20 games behind me. No, that, let's, let's, let's not get carried away here. We'll find out. Uh, we got a big week coming up this week. We got – how many games have we got this week? Four? Four. Four big ones coming up. We'll talk about that in Stampy Tax. Who you got coming up a little later in the program. But right now we got to get to break because we have the greatest box lacrosse player of all time – and the current head coach of the Buffalo Bandits set to join us on the other side here on Lax Class. It's John Tavares coming up. Keep it right here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vital Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also informed choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. This is Christian Del Bianco from the Calgary Roughnecks. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Growing the game, one podcast at a time. <laughs> Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified Podcast here on the Lax All Stars Podcast Network. You might have just heard the siren there, or not? Uh, he, and hopefully, that's not for our next guest. Before we get to our next guest, though, I want to talk about Pure Vital Labs. Anything else would be on Sportsmanlike. Hashtag flip the switch. Check them out on Instagram at Pure Vital Labs. They got all sorts of recipes, how to use their products, what's in their products. All natural, no artificial colors. 
and Informed Choice certified as well. Tons of lacrosse players on those supplements. I suggest you find them at pvl.com. Get on them. Be like the pros and uh, take your game to the next level. Now, I could spend probably a good 25, 30 minutes running down the resume of one John Tavares. I just like to say he's the GOAT, the best to ever pick up a stick in between the boards, and now he is the head coach of the Buffalo Bandits. John Tavares, back on Lax Class. Thanks for doing this, JT. No problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure, man. Uh, always a treat when we get uh, you on the program, and it's a good time to get you. The Bandits get off to a nice start to the year. I know you guys had a tough off season with a bunch of injuries, John, that we will touch on, but uh, let's start uh, with just Saturday night there, over 10K in Banditland at uh, the Key Bank Center there to watch you guys come out with a 13-10 victory over the San Diego Seals. What would you think of your team's effort in game number one? I thought the uh, I actually thought both teams played really well. It was uh, a very close game throughout the 60 minutes, and um, I believe it was about three minutes to go. It was 10-10, and it was back and forth all night. And we were fortunate enough to uh, come up with a win. I thought that was uh, important for us to get off to a good start this year. You know, we I thought we played well right from uh, Matt Fink to the defense uh, to the offense. So it was a big win for our team. Get off to a good start this year. Now, you've lost a lot of players up front this past year. And, I mean, we talked about this last year where it was all this firepower, one ball. But now you got all, you got a, still got a decent firepower, still one ball. You've lost Sean Evans. You've lost Jordan Durson. You lost Thomas Hogarth to an injury. No Chase Frazier at the moment. At one point, I thought you might have to suit up. Uh, don't forget about Ethan <laughs> O'Connor, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how does the offensive dynamic change now with so many players no longer in the lineup? I mean, it's tough to uh, fill the shoes of Sean Evans, Durston, Frazier, Hogarth. Those four of our seven offensive players. But, uh, you know, I'm a believer you give other people an opportunity, give them an opportunity to prove themselves, and, you know, guys pick it up. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we managed to get 13 goals without those guys, and we managed to win the game. So, it's, it's an opportunity for other guys to rise to the occasion. And, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that even though it's four, you know, everybody needs to be a threat. We want, uh, we don't want to be predictable out there. I don't want, you know, to be one-dimensional, you know, give the ball to Dane Smith every single time. I want everybody to produce. And, you know, if you look at the score sheet, you know, Bridal got one, Maul got some, Kluge got some, Josh scored, Dane scored, you know, uh, pretty much almost every offensive player got a goal. You know, we had uh, Kevin Brownell fill in an offensive role for now. And, uh, you know, we just ask guys to take on different roles. And we have a very tight-knit group on, uh, on our team. And guys are willing to do whatever it takes to win a game for us. Speaking with John Tavares, the head coach of the Buffalo Bandits. And, and you mentioned a couple of guys there, John, and, and Dane Smith. And I think... This is an opportunity for Dean Smith. Of course, he, he had that monster year a couple of years ago where he set all sorts of records. Then kind of took a step back because I think he was playing more of a team offense. But I think Dean's the kind of guy that if if you need to lean on him and kind of hop on his shoulders a little bit, he's a guy that can really carry the load for you. And I thought he did that in the first game. But on the other side of the floor, like Corey Small, we know he's going to get his. And Josh Byrne, who was on Sports Center, I think he came in at number three with that highlight diving reel goal. 
But for me, Chris Cloutier is is kind of the guy I want to talk to you about here, JT. Is you know, former number two overall pick. You you get him out of Philadelphia, and and the fitness obviously wasn't where it needed to be. And I think it was kind of a work in progress through the back half of last season. You got him on a program and kind of monitored him throughout the summer as well coming into this year comes out of the gates with five points a hat trick in his first game tell me about Chris Cloutier the work that he's put in and what the expectation is for him this year I think uh, sky's the limit for Chris he's a phenomenal goal scorer and you know when he came into our team last year he was trying to find a role you know he worked very hard on his fitness and he's in much better shape than he was last year he had an amazing training camp, and I foresee him continuing to get better and be a bigger part of our offense moving forward. I know he uh, it, it doesn't didn't surprise me how well he did last game. Um, like I said, his his, uh, his his endurance is much better. I think he feels more confident. You know, he's he's using his size to his advantage, and when he gets an opportunity, the, the kid can bury the ball. One of the most interesting players on your team is Ian McKay, in that. He's a great defender. He's a phenomenal transition player. He's a good offensive player when you need him up front. And now you have him taking face-offs. Solid follow on Twitter him? as well, Evan. Solid follow on <laughs> yeah, Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he is. Um, how do you approach a player like this? Is it you take his biggest strength and you try and apply him there, or do you take what the team needs most and try to put him in that position? Um, right now we've taken what the team needs most, and – let me back up. Like you said, he is, he's really good. He's multi-talented out there. He does everything very well. But he, he is probably one of our best defenders. And I contemplated, him play, contemplated playing him more offensively. But I don't want to take away his main strength. And that's the defensive role he plays and the opportunity to run the ball to four and score in transition. So we'll use him where we need. He's happy to do whatever. Again, another guy who's just happy to do whatever it takes to win a game. And I, I do believe, from what I see in his body language, he loves playing offense. And, you know, we also have a rookie out there, Noseworthy, who is trying to do the same role as Ian McKay. So now we've got two guys literally trying to do the same thing, play defense on the, on the right side of the floor, run the ball up in transition, and play offense at left. So, uh you know, Ian's a big part of our team. He's, you know, great guy, great team player. You know, he's a, he's a character. He's funny. And, and uh, he's another guy, you know, he's been working really hard, staying in shape. And, you know, again, he, he's, he's just going to get better with, with time. Speaking with the Hall of Famer, John Tavares, uh, and, and you take over the head coaching role um, solely this year, John. And, and a lot of people, quite frankly, surprised at the departure of Richie Kilgore and and it was kind of kept under wraps there in Bandaland and I don't know how much you can speak to it and if you can't so be it but maybe give us an idea on, on the direction change there and, and and if you can't just tell me maybe what the difference is from you going as a co-head coach into a full-time head coach and, and being the guy does that change your philosophy at all well why you know, Richie, he is a big part of the Buffalo Bands organization as a player and as a coach. And, you know, I was uh, I thought we did very well as co-coaches. And, you know, for whatever reason the organization had, they let, uh, they wanted one coach and they wanted to let one person go. And, and unfortunately, things unfolded the way they did. You know, for me, it was a, you know, it was a bittersweet situation.
situation in terms of I was very disappointed, you know, to see my buddy leave. And, you know, then I became the head coach. And uh, it's, it's a little bit different role for me now. Last year I was pretty much with the offense, and Richie was pretty much with the defense. And we, you know, we communicated, and we had Rusty um, Rusty um, Kruger helping out in the middle. And, you know, it was just a nice team effort, nice, you know, uh, way of going, uh, making decisions together. And, and uh, you know, now I'm in the middle of the bench. And I'll be honest with you, I was a bit nervous being in the middle. The first thing I said to Kruger was, I prefer to be on the offensive side. I'm not used <laughs> to being in the middle here. You know, Defense, what's have. that? No, come on now, John. You, you you got back there on the back end, back in your playing days a little bit, and, and, and you could you could do some checking. Now, I, I remember a time in Victoria, I came onto the floor as a member of the Sandbell. You you gave me one of the worst two-handers I've ever experienced. I don't, I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> Of course I, I don't you don't. I, I don't think I, I don't think I, that would be me. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if many people know, but you know, like I, I played lacrosse for, for Buffalo for many years, and yeah, the last I'm just going to guess ten years, I was purely an offensive player. But most of my career, I played both ways. It was just right. you know, we played line. Yeah. It was an offensive fan, so. I took a lot of pride when I got stuck back on defense. I loved when the offensive guys were like, hey, give me the ball. I want to take him one-on-one. I loved the opportunity to prove somebody wrong when I played defense. And quite frankly, you know, I loved the opportunity to run in transition. So when you meet a player, you know, in, in, in today's day and age, and they don't want the opportunity to run in transition, it boggles my mind. Yeah. I just think the easiest way to score in lacrosse is, you know, breakaways, two-on-one, three-on-two. I love that. You know, when you play – when you play offense, purely offense, yeah, you get you know you get some transition off the bench, but it's usually the first or second guy um, if they have a clear cut breakaway. So I don't know. I, I, and also, you know, when you get the opportunity to play defense, it just gives you another role. Like some nights, you just the ball's just not going in for you, so it's just another opportunity to help the team win. So I know I took a lot of pride playing defense, and you know I'm asking. You know, I put I put Dane Smith out on defense a few times. You know, he he, he loves the challenge. Josh Byrne, he you know he loves the challenge too. I love guys like that. They're just willing to do whatever it takes to win and create other scoring opportunities in transition. You ended up in the final last year, falling short to Calgary in the final. It's always a successful season when you make it to the final. But how much did losing that final increase the hunger to get back to the final this year? You know, obviously, you know, you want to get back, but uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's a tough question to answer. Like, you want to fuel the fire even more. You want to be hungry, hungry. but, you know, there's other teams, there are other really good teams, and it's hard to make it wild, and that's what guys have to understand. Just because you were there last year, you know, it doesn't make it any easier this year. If anything, I think it more, makes it more challenging because now you're one of the top teams in the league. Teams are going to prepare for you more. You know, they're going to, they want to knock one of the top teams off. And you got more to prove. The last time Buffalo made the finals with exceptions last year, we missed the playoffs last the two seasons after that. So I just want to make sure we just get to the playoffs first and foremost. And if we can get it on a roll like we did last year, hopefully, you know, we can win the championship. And uh, <clears throat> we just got to concentrate kind of one thing at a time. You know, I, I, I know it's an easy answer. You have, you know, fuel the fire even more, and you're going to be hungry, and you want to get the I, I think for me, every team, every time I played and every time I've coached, my goal is to win the championship. And it's, it's the same energy that I have I, and the same opportunity and the same fire in my belly to win, regardless if I made the finals or not. 
if I was a last place team, yeah, I still want to win, make the finals. But it's, it's the same, it's the same desire to still win. Well, I think that's probably what made you the most successful player in box lacrosse of all time, John, and uh, probably what makes you a successful coach as well. Is that fire? Is that desire? Uh, you get a couple of weeks off before your next game. It'll come near the end of the year against the Halifax Thunderbirds. But as we know, those Thunderbirds used to be those Nighthawks, and I would assume that rivalry is still going to be there because it's a lot of those same faces on the other side of the floor. I agree, and I've been thinking about that. We uh, Buffalo, from all the teams we've played against, I would think the most rivalry we had has been against Rochester, and the least success we've ever had were games in Rochester. It was just something about that arena that we just it just kind of it just had our number for whatever reason. So I'm kind of hoping that changes, even though the game is in Buffalo. But uh, you know they still have the same name, same faces, and, you know a lot of familiar guys on the bench that play there. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And you know they've got off to blazing starts. You know even the preseason games they had, they they beat two good teams handily, and then they. You know, had a great win in the first game of the year. So, you know, they have a lot of offensive power. They got great defense, great goaltending. So, it's going to be an interesting second game for us. Uh, last one here for you, coach. And and uh, I was, you know, trying to find your Instagram handle on on Twitter. And of course, I put in John Tavares and about sixty five fake accounts for your nephew. John. <laughs> pop up. Yeah. So that leads me to ask you, I, I, for our Eastern listeners here, now I'm about as far away from a, a Maple Leaf fan as uh, as you can get. By the way, they're playing the Canucks tomorrow night, so that's uh, that's always a fun one. But uh, those Toronto Maple Leafs now, JT, they're, they're outside the playoff picture right now. What's going on with the Leafs and your nephew? Are those guys going to get it going here or what? Well, they have a lot of offense. You know, it's, uh, it's a long season. And uh, hopefully they get on a run and win some games and get back into a playoff position where they should be. But, uh, you know, they've had some injuries like every other team. Uh, it's just a matter of them playing together and getting some bounces and, you know, putting some wins together. Fair so, enough. Uh, Fair hopefully, enough. Hopefully they can get there. Fair enough. Hey, well, uh, I appreciate your time as always, uh, John. And, on, a side, uh, no, I, on a side note, I did, I did see my nephew this past week, and I, I told him, you know, if they need a left winger, there you I am available. <laughs> so. Hey, I would I would love to see something like that. I think uh, just as much as I'd love to see you in a Maple Leafs uniform, I would love to see your nephew in a Bandits uniform because I, I well, maybe I mean, that if, might if, be if, the if 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 Fizz Nasty can make the get a right. trial for Vancouver, why can't I get a trial for the Leafs? I, I don't get that. You know? hey, or at least the Sabers. I mean, come on. Somebody give me a trial. There you and go. I've been asking John for years. When he was in New York, I'm like, John, give me a trial, bud. One time. And he laughs. He laughs. I'm being serious. <laughs> Appreciate as, long as, no, as long as there's no contact. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Hey, uh, appreciate your time, man. Uh, best of luck against those Halifax Thunderbirds, and I probably won't talk to you before that. So happy holidays, yeah. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that sort of stuff, and I'm sure we'll cross paths sooner or later. Same to you guys. Thanks for the interview. Yeah, appreciate it. That was John Tavares. Always love talking lacrosse with the GOAT, Evan. You know, I still remember way back in the day, though, this would have been, say, 2004, watching him in Banditland and just absolutely lighting up. I'm trying to remember. I think they played the Toronto Rock that night. You know, back in that time when I was living in Bermuda, you know, getting the chance to go to an NLL game, that was an absolute treat to watch. I'll, I'll give you 
my first John Tavares. I don't know if I've told this story or not, but my first experience watching John Tavares play lacrosse came back, and you want to go back, Evan, you're talking 2004. I want to take you back another decade on top of that to 1993, uh, back in Coquitlam, my junior Adnacks were just returning from a uh, four-game sweep at the hands of the Orangeville Northmen in the Minto Cup back east, and we got back to Coquitlam, and, and the Man Cup was going on in Coquitlam. The, the senior Adnacks were in the Man Cup taking on the Brampton Excelsiors, and that's who John was playing for back. This is so long ago, Evan, that John Tavares was wearing the number six, so he wasn't even wearing number 11 yet. And Brampton, they were a star-studded team. They had uh, a couple of Kilgore brothers, the Coyle brothers, Tavares. I mean, the daughter. The list went on. This was a star-studded team. Anyways, I, I think it was game two. And like John mentioned there, he would play both ends. And he was playing defense, got himself a breakaway. And I, I didn't know anything about John Tavares. I'd never seen him play before. Here comes this kind of lanky left-hander in transition, gets, brings in a breakaway pass, Comes in on goal, straight in, and does like, you know, kind of like a fake far side, fake short side, and then all of a sudden goes around the world, bounce shot into the top corner on a breakaway, goes around the world, bounce shot top corner, and I thought to myself, who the heck is this guy? Like, I... I'd never seen anything like that before in the sport of lacrosse, and here's this guy pulling it off on a breakaway in a Man Cup game, and I thought to myself, like, who is this dude? And, of course, uh, he goes on to be the greatest player of all time. And think back to our last interview, for those that are just new to the program, a couple of years ago, 49 years old, Mm. and the Six Nations Chiefs are absolutely decimated at lefty. He actually goes out there and brings out all his old equipment and actually has to play the full 60 because they don't have a substitute at lefty. Yeah. <laughs> it's just absolutely stunning to watch, you know, that a guy that age can still compete with the youngsters of the sport. Yeah, like Rice Hurd uh, a couple of years ago as well, suiting up in Victoria for the Salmon Bellies, uh, and he was well into his 50s, Evan, uh, doing that. So... Uh, a couple of legends of the game still getting it done. It just goes to show you how good they are and how dedicated to their fitness uh, that they still are to this day. Like, John's still in fantastic shape, as in, as is Russ Hurd. And uh, you, you can't do that sort of thing unless uh, you're in tip-top shape, And no matter whether you're 35 years old or 55 years old. That was a great interview. We got another one coming up. A good friend of the program. It's Benny Boy, Ryan Binesh on the other side. This is episode 57 of Lacrosse Classified right here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is Robert Church from the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified Podcast, episode 57. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you, and also with us, one of our fine sponsors in Associated Labels and Packaging, where those folks over there, they create first impressions. They are the best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging, and they do it all. 
with the environment in mind, which, uh, you know, not a lot of companies do. More companies should do that sort of thing, Evan. And Associated Labels and Packaging really leading the way. Find them at associated-labels.com or their social media at Associated LP. You can probably hear the ruckus in the background, and that's because our next guest right now is whipping up a stir-fry as we begin our conversation. Ryan Banesh of the Halifax Thunderbirds. Benny. Thanks for coming back and doing this here on the Cross Classified. How's the stir fry going? Is it almost ready? Yeah, it's just about ready to go. What do you uh, got? A little chicken, a little beef, uh, some prawns? What are you doing up? A little chicken, some Brussels sprouts, onions, peppers, you know, all the good stuff. Uh, Well, I remember our our time back in Minnesota together where the Swarm actually, like, did up a – it was like a promotion where, like, some season ticket holders and some fans actually came over to your house and you cooked them a meal. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was awesome, man. We called it like uh, I think it was like dinner in Neverland or something. That's that's, Neverland. that's what the that's what we called the apartments back then with Neverland because nobody wanted to grow up. We're all just Peter Pan. Right, right. Well, uh, speaking of growing up, let's let's before we get into lacrosse stuff. Now, I, I follow along pretty closely on on the Facebook and the Instagram and the Snapchat and all that sort of stuff. You and and uh, your lovely lady there, you've like you picked out a lot that there was like in this new development, there was nothing else around. You built a house from scratch. And, and if I'm not mistaken, you guys have just moved into your new abode. How, how's things with the misses, the new house and all that sort of stuff. Things are perfect, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, we, uh, we decided that we were going to build new and, um, I had a plan all along that, uh, when the house was ready, I was going to get, get down on a knee and get it dirty and ask her to, to, to marry me and spend uh, spend life kind of stuck with me, but uh, you know, fortunately, she said yes, and now we're just kind of enjoying each other's company right now, celebrating the uh, the engagement and the and the new house. And you got I'm a date? Excited. When's, when's the big day? <laughs> um, we haven't really talked about it yet, but I know we uh, we want to do a destination wedding, so we're gonna just kind of leave it open to whoever can make it, and then come back after that and have like a formal yeah kind of that's party, the way I to guess. do it man that is the way to do it i agree well I congratulations agree. uh congratulations on that congratulations on the big victory over the weekend uh over the riptide a nice way to kick off uh, a new season there in halifax the new colors the new arena and you guys jump out to a seven nothing lead in the first quarter then eight nothing and and then it was kind of cruise control time after that but good way for you to guys to to kick off your new season there in Halifax yeah for sure I mean you definitely want to win that home opener for the for the new crowd and uh you know we came out ready to go I thought uh you know our defense played unbelievable our offense I guess you know what can you say everybody chipped in um accordingly you know we all we all did our thing and uh you know I'm excited about this year the the fan base there is pretty awesome um you know I I know the across sort of new to them but uh you know for for a first time game watching they were loud and proud man and it was awesome to see you, you jump out to the eight nothing lead right away and then the offense went silent for a couple quarters is that just a case of you're ahead and you're you know not trying to embarrass your opponent or did their defense just play that much better from that point on i'd probably say it's a little bit of both to be honest with you um 
it's tough when you get into games like that when you jump out to early leads like eight nothing and whatnot to uh, you know to continue to you know to, to play as hard as you can because you know in the back of your mind you can kind of go on cruise control and you know take a step back and not necessarily have to you know gas yourself as much as you should but uh, you know it's not it's not a good habit and uh, we did talk about that after the game um, it was you know it was mentioned we all knew it that. You know that can't happen. Even though we are up big, we got to continue to to play our style of game, and uh, you know that won't happen again. Um, like I said, we just you know being out to a lead like that kind of kind of get got in our heads, and we went a little bit uh, stagnant. But no, for the most part, I thought we still generated some pretty decent chances. And I gotta say, uh, you know, Bouquet actually did play really well after you know surrendering surrendering a bunch of goals there early. Speaking with Ryan Benesh of the Halifax Thunderbirds, and, and Benny, I know you got a tattoo uh, wrapped around that massive bicep of yours that uh, that that kind of pays homage to all the different teams that you've played for in your career. Tell me, what number is Halifax now in the National Lacrosse League? I, I, I don't know if Evan can list off all the teams that you've played for. I'm not sure I can either. Can you list down the, the, all the different teams that you've played for in the National Lacrosse League? Um, okay, so there's San Jose drafted me. I don't know if we count that. Or yes, not. absolutely, we count that. Okay, so that's one, and then uh, Toronto would be two, Edmonton would be three, uh, Minnesota four, Buffalo five, Colorado six, uh, Rochester and Halifax seven and eight. Man, that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty awesome. Like I, I mean, you're you're not quite in Matty Giles territory yet, I don't think. But uh, that's getting up there. And, and and you go into I like you go to Rochester last year and you, you finish off the year. But coming into this season, I would think probably a little more comfortable, a little more confident, and, and feeling good about the guys that are around you and all that sort of thing. Did you feel like you were a bigger part of the team coming into this year than you were kind of joining the team last year? Yeah, for sure, and uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of the reason why I signed in Halifax was uh, you know do I, I saw Austin Shanks out west this summer when I was playing uh, for Ladner, and you know we got to talking, and he you know told me how much he loved me being on the team and all that stuff, and it just you know that that kind of stuck with me a lot to you know for a guy like that to to say the nice things that he did to me that night and. Uh, you know, it made me it made me hungry and and, and want to come back to uh, to Rochester to Halifax and and uh, you know get going with the guys at the beginning of the year. Your head coach changes from Mike Hazen to Mike Kersey. What changes are there in the dressing room with the new head coach? Um, in the dressing room, not so much. You know, we are who we are, and I don't think uh, coaches really change. You know, the the person they they change the the attitude on the floor. And um, you know, with with Mike uh, with Hazer, I, I noticed. You know, he he was a he was kind of a jokester at the end of the year practice. You know, we kind of did our flow and and uh, did our thing, and, and there was a lot of laughs and a lot of smiles, and, and that's all well and fine, but, uh, you know, with, with Akurzi, it's it's a little bit of the opposite. He's, uh, you know, they, they call him no mercy Akurzi for a reason, so, um, you know, it's a lot more running, a lot more structure, and, uh, you know, a lot more focus from, uh, from what I see so far. And that's probably due to the fact that, 
it's he's a new head coach in the league, Ryan, and and he wants to kind of make his mark on the on the roster right from the get go, assert his personality, and 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 not that one's right or that one's wrong, but different coaches are 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 just different. What is there one that you prefer over the other? Not 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 so much. I'm not talking Hazen and Akersey, but just style wise. Um, you know I. I, I can appreciate like a player's coach, one that kind of jokes around with you and then, you know, lets you be who you are. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you got to get yelled at when uh, you deserve it and, you know, you need some punishment, whatever, um, I'm all for it. So uh, I think Mike's found that that fine balance where, you know, he can assert his his authority and, and he's not afraid to. But at the same time, he's he's pretty lenient and let us be, you know, who we are and, and uh you know, and, and just go from, from there. Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of an interesting conversation and topic right now, obviously, Betty, with, with all the stuff that's going on in hockey with, with Waters and Babcock and Crawford, and and it's kind of a topic now about what's acceptable as far as coaching goes, as far as the verbal abuse, and, of course, the physical stuff is never okay, but the world of coaching and, and the style of coaching – like you just don't see that kind of dictatorship. I'm going to run up one side of you down the other anymore. But just, just because it's not like, I mean, I think we've evolved as a society, but it's just not as effective as building a guy up and, and instilling confidence in him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said, if you got to get, you know, a kick in the ass here and there, you got to get yelled at, then that's one thing. But, you know, I, I find that um, players these days, and, you know, myself included that, you know, when you get yelled at over and over and over again, you just tune it out and it just becomes white noise. Right. And you don't pay attention. You kind of lose respect for for that coach. And, and you just you just don't want to hear the negativity. And then when something positive does happen, you almost don't believe it. Right. So it's kind of like I said, it is a fine line. And, you know, I'm not saying that coaches shouldn't yell and shouldn't scream and and whatnot hitting and and stuff like that yeah obviously not but you know uh a smack up uh, upside the head every once in a while never hurt nobody <laughs> Just don't, oh, okay i'm not, I'm not even gonna go, there. I'm yeah. not even gonna go there. <laughs> now a good buddy of mine jim else when he found out you were on the program he, he shot me a photo of a stick that you had given him, and this thing's got to have about the deepest pocket I've ever seen in my life. Talk to me about your equipment setup, what you like, what you know. Oh man, you going hard uh, mesh, soft mesh, just... uh, mid pocket, low range? How many shooters? What do you What are you rocking over there? What's your go to? Yeah, it, it's definitely changed over the over the years, but uh, you're well, a pretty I, particular I like guy when it comes to your setup now, Ryan. I've watched uh, you I'm... fiddle around quite a bit with your weapon. <laughs> your yeah, lacrosse stick I, that is i am i'm very very particular in the way that it shoots uh my pocket setups kind of changed over the years where i used to use kind of like a, a deeper pocket and now it's uh i wouldn't say it's as deep it's kind of shallow but still you know deep enough uh four shooters i got three up top and i, I still rock the classic horseshoe mm-hmm. how uh, many guys everybody. are still going with that you still yeah, like it though uh, Everybody chirps me, but you know what? It works, so I'm going to stick with it. And um, you know, I'm just I'm kind of fortunate where if I can't get a stick to throw, I have you know a lot of friends and and buddies that'll come string it for me. Like uh, Pat Saunders came oh, over. Yeah, he does a good stick. This up. Summer, Pat, yeah, he does a he good stick. Came over, 
did my sticks up for me and you know and it's it's awesome for a guy that's not even on my team anymore to to continue to come over and you know help me out so you know i really respect patty for that and uh yeah but uh as far as equipment wise i've i use the same stuff that i've been using for probably 10 years i haven't switched my arm pads or shoulder pads for, yeah, I would say probably 10 years. Well, I got to say, man, like I, I, I just asked Evan as we were talking here, I'm like, where does where does Benny come in as far as all-time scoring go in, in National Lacrosse League history? And, and I knew you were up there. You were ninth all-time, all-time, Ryan. And I, like, I don't know. Like, for me, and I'm probably just as guilty of it as anybody, but when we're talking about – the all-time greats and junior and, and Tavares and Gade and Dawson Sanderson, like you're you're on that list, man. You're you're in the top ten of scoring all time in the National Lacrosse League. Do you feel, or does it even matter to you? I don't know, Ryan. Does like, do, do you feel like you get the respect that you deserve being in that upper echelon of all-time greats in the NLL? Um, I mean, yeah, I would say that I do. Um, am I as flashy as, you know, most guys? No, I just kind of go out there and I, I do my thing consistently. I'm just a, a catch and shoot kind of guy. I never, I don't think I've ever scored one behind the back goal in my entire life. And I probably never will. I'll probably never dive and, and dunk a ball, but you know, I just, I've always preached that, uh, you know, my success is due to my teammates and my coaches and it's, it's never changed and it never will. Cause you know, they help me and uh, you know, I just, all I try to do is just help my team win any way that I can. And, you know, fortunately for me, I've, uh, I've been able to, you know, put the ball in the net and rack up a few points here and there, but no, listen, man, <laughs> come on. Like, I, I don't know, like how, like, how are you feeling physically i know you've had some some concussion problems i think that's been well documented but you're still a very productive player like how much longer do you see yourself playing in this league oh i don't know i guess it, that it just depends on my body um right now physically i feel good um i got a couple couple injuries that uh that are nagging but you know nothing that's going to stop me from from suiting up and playing um I guess, you know, as, as long as I can uh, keep myself in, in some decent shape and, you know, uh, be productive on the floor, then I'll play as long as the team wants me, I guess. Life after lacrosse, I mean, you maybe have five, six years, maybe you still have five, six years left in you, but, you know, you've renovated a house, you've built a house from scratch, you do some coaching. What's the plan post lacrosse career? relax <laughs> just, just relax um you know i i i was hemming and hawing about uh you know buying a trailer or something like that and, and just kind of taking a summer off and and doing my own thing and but uh i don't know I'm not, i just i'm not ready to to stop playing yet because i i know when I do stop playing, I'm going to miss it like crazy. And uh, from everybody that I talk to, all the guys that have retired recently, you know, that's the one thing that they miss is being able to go to the locker room with the guys and, and just shoot the shit and, and talk and, you know, tell the stories and listen to the stories. And, you know, I know I'm going to miss that. So, um, 
I'm gonna I'm just gonna try and you know drag my career out as long as I can. I know you probably uh, w- what you miss more than anything is getting those neck massages from Wadi pregame. Yeah, yeah, I definitely miss that. I got I got a new guy now though. Shanks, he's my guy. Oh, okay, so. okay. I didn't I, yeah. I didn't pick up on that. I'm gonna have to watch for that. Uh, now, did you have to ask him like, hey, I, I I need somebody to do this for me, or did he just kind of take that upon himself and? And start doing it. Oh, I just, I kind of just filled him in on what happens. So we stand behind the net together, and yeah, it's, the there neck massage lives and, on. And does he compare? Is he like, is he as good, or is he still kind of learning on on how to deliver that the way you like it? Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> but uh, speaking of uh, friends and family here, how is the family, Ryan Banesh? Because I used to love when when the Baneshes would come to Minnesota, and, and your brother Eric would would try out uh, for a couple of years there as well. How is the Banesh clan doing? Everybody's good, good. Um, it was it was kind of a bittersweet uh, thing uh, proposing to my girlfriend. My uh, my grandmother actually passed away the day after um, I proposed, which which was uh, tough. You know, kind of. It's kind of tough because, you know, one minute we're we're happy, you know, adding yeah. adding a, a new uh, lady to the family, and the next next day we're losing it. So yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, my grandmother, she you know she was ninety three. She had a great life, and you know we uh, we miss her dearly. But you know, I, I she's in a better place now, and you know, other than that minor. You know, set back. Everybody in uh, Banesh family's doing great. Well, uh, I, I, I got to believe she couldn't be more proud of you, Ryan. And, and make sure you give my best uh, to everybody there in the family, including the dogs. And uh, make sure you tell Shanksy to keep up the good work. And, and best of luck with your Halifax Thunderbirds. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. All that sort of stuff. And I uh, hope to see you sooner or later. Absolutely, man. You too. All the best. Appreciate it. That was Ryan Banesh, ninth all-time in National Lacrosse League scoring, Evan. Like, the man put up a couple of points here or there. He says, ninth all-time for Ryan Banesh. Here's the thing about Ryan Banesh is that, like you said, you're not going to get the flashy behind the back or the crease dive, but you're going to look at the stat sheet at the end of the night. It's like, oh, Banesh just got seven points. What the heck, right? Mm. And this is the thing is that he's, you know, he's effective and it doesn't get noticed a lot of time. And that's why a lot of people look at ninth all time, really. But it's just that constant performance of six, seven points a night that has continued throughout his career. Well, uh, yeah, I, I remember a call, Randy Burns calling him a like a bowling ball and a, and a magician. I can tell you this. Ryan Benash is one of the most accurate shooters I've ever seen. Very him and Robert Church kind of mirror each other the way that they play the game. Just ultraly smooth, make looking they make goal scoring look easy. And as we both know, and, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do as well, scoring goals is not an easy thing to do. And if everybody could do it, then we'd have a lot more players in the National Lacrosse League. But Ryan Benash no matter where he's gone, you heard him listed off eight teams that he's played for in this league, and he has produced everywhere he wants. And I know he wants to attribute a lot of it to his teammates and his coaches, but when you're that consistent with that many different teams, it's not them, it's you. And he's ninth all-time in scoring. Great conversation there with Ryan Benesh. We got one more quarter to go. We call it the fourth quarter and it is jam-packed. We got news and notes coming up. And, of course, we got who you got. It's all on the other side right here of episode number 57 of Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. 
A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games. Loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. Hey, this is Mitch Jones of the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to the Cross Classified on Last All Stars. Throwing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here. Fourth quarter time. Thanks to John Tavares and Ryan Banesh for those great conversations. And thanks to the Vancouver Warriors. Seven, you just heard it right there. Sponsoring the broadcast or the podcast, just to say. The broadcast and the podcast. Uh, and it is their next home game is coming up this Saturday, December the 14th, against the New York Riptide. I know uh, you've already sent out the form for who you got, uh, a lot of people picking the Warriors this weekend. You'll find out who we're going to pick here momentarily. But I'll be in Saskatoon, but come join the Vancouver Warriors for Superhero Night, brought to you by Alterna Bank, where we'll be celebrating the true superheroes in BC with a special opening ceremony where they recognize Vancouver's first responders. Tickets start at nineteen ninety-five. That's under 20 bucks. Evan, I know you're an accountant. I know you know that. They feature happy hour pricing that includes $5 beers, $4 hot dogs, and $3 popcorn, much, much more. First 3,000 fans will receive a commemorative Matt Beers bobblehead. I do not have one of those. I might have to get somebody to pick me up one of those, Evan, and add to my yeah, collection. Yeah, you and me both. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll put it on the list. Maybe we'll get the Chad to hook us up. The Chad will come through for us, I bet. Matt Beers bobblehead. Cheap beer, cheap food. Um, what more do you want here? Tickets are just nineteen ninety-five. Visit VancouverWarriors.com to get hooked up or call 604-899-4625. Hit option one. Where the Vancouver Warriors, nothing's offside. And then uh, I think you know, like near the end yeah. of the, the the year, Biz Nasty's coming back for Hawaiian night. He's guaranteed everybody's going to get laid. I'm not exactly That's sure what that means. That's actually a couple what about months from now, actually. Okay, okay. So all yep. I know is Biz Nasty's going to be there and everybody's getting laid. Biz20, promo code, swipe up, all the rest of it. Uh, by the way, I had some Pink wow. Whitney on the weekend. Uh, his podcast partner there on Spit and Chicklets, uh, his his new brand there, Pink Whitney, the vodka. Tried that out this weekend, and and uh, I'm still feeling the effects uh, come Monday here. But uh, check out Warriors.com for all your details. And uh, I won't see you there, yeah, but but get out to the Warriors game on December the 14th. And here's the crazy thing is that the responses that have come in so far – 90% of people are picking the Warriors to win. That has not happened with the Stealth or the Warriors in a very long time. So you want to get out there and see them win a game, this is a great opportunity. Yeah, well, I think, you know, getting down 8 nothing in a game in your first ever game in the National Lacrosse League will probably sway a lot of people uh, to, to pick the other way. Now, I'm not saying uh, that the Warriors aren't going to be successful, Evan, because uh, I like their chances here coming against the Riptide at home, and, and uh, I, th- I think they got a real good opportunity to win the game. I'm just saying that's probably the, the reason for it. People saw that scoreline against Halifax and thought, well, maybe I'm taking the Warriors this week. Speaking of taking the Warriors, Evan, it's... 
Once again, it's time for who you got? Evan, who you got? Jake, who you got? 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 Who ya got? Who you got? Who you got? Who you got? Who you got? There it is, Stampede Tax, who you got. Uh, we got to get this deal out here. Presented by Stampede Tax and Western Wear, your complete source for Wrangler jeans. Shop online now. You only got till the 13th to take advantage of this deal, Evan. Any men's or ladies' pair of Wrangler jeans, $10 off when you shop at Stampede Tax. CA Stampede Tack and Western Wear located in Cloverdale. Find them online. Shopping online is still shopping local. All right, Evan. Who you got? I mentioned you're five and one. I am four and two. So that means I get to host once again here, Evan. You're five and one. I'm four and two. One game behind. Four games this weekend. I think you took every team last week that I picked just so you could host again. <laughs> this this kit. I don't want to give away my strategy, but I could very well do this the entire year. It would make for very good podcast or fun. But I could literally just pick the same games as you every week until the last week of the regular season and then pick two different games and then beat you by one. How about that for a strategy? I'm not going to do that, but I could do that if I wanted to. Summertime? You did that in the summertime, tried to pick two different games, and how did the Dutch do for you? Mm, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Never will I forever forget Puerto Rico. Um, where do you want to start here? Let's uh, let's start. Well, let's go in order. Okay. So Philadelphia gets going here, Evan, against the Georgia Swarm, who are already 1-0. This one going down at the Infinite Energy Center there in Duluth. Wings at the Swarm, Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Evan, who you got? And remember, it's a brand new turf down. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. I forgot about that. Take a look at that. Pretty simple pick here. I think that Georgia's going to win. Georgia's going to win big. Yeah, I, I I got a pretty good feeling that Georgia is going to steamroll a bunch of teams this year. I don't. They may not walk over them like they did the Nighthawks uh, in their opener, but I think they win this in pretty convincing fashion over the Wings. Pretty easy pick here for me as well. Give me Georgia. Moving on, Black Wolves looked very impressive against the Toronto Rock on the road to kick off their season. They play another road game. It's a game... That I will be at up in the broadcast booth. I cannot wait to get back to Saskatoon, Evan. The home opener for the Rush comes this weekend as they welcome the New England Black Wolves. Now remember, the Black Wolves beat the Rush in the opening game of the season last year. That one went down at Mohegan Sun. This one's going down at Sastel Center. Black Wolves and Rush, Evan, who you got? Here's the interesting thing about this game is that Almost 95% of people are taking the rush in this game. And let's be straight here. The rush against the Black Wolves the last, say, four or five years, I believe the Black Wolves actually have a winning record against the rush. Mm. So this is not as lopsided as we think, but, you know, Nishimura is out. Um, I like the rush defense a lot more than I like the, um, the Black Wolves defense. And I think they're going to face a much more difficult task with 
the likes of Matthews and Church and McIntosh and just keep naming names here than they did against The Rock. Give me the Rush. I think your pick's pretty obvious. Uh, we've already discussed this, Evan. It's Rush every time. And I, you had me convinced that you were actually going to take New England there, you big chicken. You're taking Saskatchewan, though, and I think that's the smart pick anyway. So uh, we're both taking the Rush. Two down, two more to go here on Stampede Tax. Who you got? And was the game we were just talking about a few minutes ago here, New York Riptide suffered that big defeat. Against Halifax, 14-4. Now they're coming across the continent uh, into the West Coast time zone. Vancouver rested after a week off uh, and that loss against Calgary. Going to see a couple of new faces on that back end. I got to believe maybe Tyson Rowe, maybe Sammy Clare gets into the lineup as well. Riptide taking on the Warriors, Evan. Who you got? Two problems here for New York. Number one is they're taking they're, they're flying three time zones over, which is never easy. And two, they still need some time to figure out who they are. I think their offense is going to continue to struggle for a little while. No, the Warriors are not, you know, the greatest team in the world yet. They're still building over time. But they're a lot better than the Riptide. Give me the Warriors. Give me the Warriors as well. I think, uh, I flat out, I just think they're a better team. I think they're going to be real desperate for a victory. I think they got better goaltending as well. And they need to win home games. This is what this team needs to do to engage the fan base there in Vancouver, Evan. Win their home games. And all the, the bells and the whistles that, that the Warriors are doing are great. I love it all. But at the end of the day, you want to get a fan base, you got to win your home games. And I think it starts this Saturday for Vancouver against the Riptide. Give me the Warriors as well. Now, we move to our final game. These are both 10 o'clock starts here on the East Coast, so 7 o'clock Western time. But this is the game of the week here for me Uh at all four of them. I think this New England-Saskatchewan game is going to be a dandy as well, but as far as the most intriguing to me, I think it might be this one right here with two teams that lost on the opening week, two teams that aren't going to be coming off a bye, two teams that want to get into the win column here. Uh, Toronto played at home. Now they're going to play on the road. San Diego played on the road. Now they're going to play at home. The Rock against the Seals in San Diego, Evan. Who you got? No, definitely not an easy choice. And you're probably going to see a Toronto team coming back with a much better effort than they did last week. Here's the problem. They're once again traveling three time zones over. A number of the Seals players live in markets, so they don't have that rough schedule. And to be frankly honest, even though the Seals lost, they really impressed me against the Bandits. I think they're the better team at the moment. Give me the Seals. Evan's taking the Seals. Now, I think for me, Toronto has always been, at least in the amount of time that we've been doing this, has been the most difficult team for me to pick. Like, anytime I pick against Toronto, they win. Every time I pick for them, they lose. But I'm taking the Rock here, Evan. I I think they bounce back. I don't... This team does not want to start 0-2. I know San Diego doesn't either. But I 
I just kind of feel, especially with those injuries up front to San Diego right now, with no Stotts, no Jackson. I think they mentioned, you know, like three out of the six top offensive, no Billings, no Dawson on that team anymore. So they got some nice production from some unlikely sources in their opening game. They only hit the 10 goal mark. Toronto did not hit the 10. I don't expect Schreiber to, to go goalless. I expect Jonesy to start producing a little bit better than just one goal. So Robbie Hellier was quiet. He's going to give me Toronto, Evan, is where I'm going. I'm taking well, the rock here to beat the sales. Okay, I mean, you're taking the rock, but keep this in mind is that Adam Jones is probably only going to get into San Diego Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. It's fine. It's not going to be an easy day for No, it's not, but uh, I'm still taking Toronto. So we're either going to be tied or you're going to be two games up. We'll find out how it all plays out. All the games going this Saturday, December the 14th. One at 7, one at 8.30, and two at 10 o'clock. A couple of more minutes here on Lacrosse Classified, and that means we got to get to news and notes. Warriors coming out with a Nick Bilic update, which wasn't wasn't really much of an update. It was that, you know, he's going to be out for an extended period of time, and that's all they're really saying on it right now. I've got a couple of texts into Nick. I haven't heard back from him, and probably understandably so right now, and you just you got to hope for the best here uh, for Nick Bilic and, and his long-term future. I mean, let's be honest. It's a it's a season-ending injury. I just hope it's not a career-ending well, injury. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the concern, right? Uh, you would think, man, you would think if, it, if they knew it was season-ending, they would just come out and say season-ending. If they don't know that then maybe that's why they didn't say or if they know that it's maybe more than season ending maybe that's why they didn't say i just i want to i want to hold out hope and positive thoughts for nick and and just hope for the best and and when we know more you will know more um but that's all the warriors gave us right now and and i can't fault them for that either uh, i saw a conversation posted up on instagram with devin caney uh who apparently teddy jenner is her unabashed favorite lacrosse analyst, Evan. I don't know if you you saw that the other day. Yeah, I know. And uh, he actually had a little bit of a laugh on his face. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a, mm-hmm. that's sweet. And then it's like, uh-oh, the other guy's like, <laughs> <laughs> me for this one. Yeah, I don't know. He seems to be the, the go-to guy when it uh, comes time for a conversation. That's, uh... Anyways, I saw a conversation with her and Commissioner Nick Sakevich, and, and they really recapped a lot of what we talked about here a couple of weeks ago with the commissioner, but he went into a little more detail about the expansion, Evan, about how it's going to be one team per year over the next three years um, in this kind of seven. And he said that out of the three teams that are coming in the next three years, so it'll be one team in 2021, one in 2022, one in 2023. And out of those three teams, there are seven markets that are vying for those three spots, which is kind of new information coming out as well. Yeah, but I still think we're, we're pretty set that Dallas is one of them. Vegas is one of them. Where the other one is, you know, we've heard rumblings of San Francisco. We've heard rumblings of Edmonton. 
Uh, I think that one might be the 2023, but I think in the next two years, you're probably going to see Dallas first, Vegas second. Yeah. And then we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. A couple more notes here on news and notes for you before we get you on your way. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, Goss update. I haven't had an Emily Goss update in a while. Believe Emily is going to be at home for the holidays, sleeping in her own bed, which is huge news for the Goss family. And they're doing a fundraiser at the Warriors game. December the 29th, it's an afternoon game against the San Diego Seals, and it's uh, it's going on through, you can get discounted tickets through the BCLA, the Masters uh, group here, the Lower Mainland Masters group here in BC. Um, if you want to get in touch with this deal and help support Emily and the Vancouver Warriors, get in touch with me, I'll point you in the right direction. Uh, for that Emily Goss fundraiser on the 29th as she continues her long road to full recovery. And finally, um, I mentioned last week, Evan, that uh, head coach of the Vancouver Warriors, Chris Gill, his father, Soen, who is a Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Famer, a BC Sports Hall of Famer, an absolute legend of the game and and a builder of this sport uh, here in BC that is really unrivaled and unparalleled what kind of footprint and impact he had on the sport of lacrosse and unfortunately the the news coming down just a couple of days ago that Soen lost his battle on Friday and um, I'm just gutted absolutely gutted for for Chris and the entire Gill family and and for the the sport of lacrosse and I just I've been watching and and reading kind of the comments that have been coming out uh, on, on Facebook and Twitter about the loss of Soen and how many people have reacted and, and shared their stories and memories and condolences? And it just kind of gives me, uh, it gives me a warm sense of of joy knowing how many people that that man impacted, in, including yours truly. And and it's going to take a while to to get over this loss um, for me. And I know the the Gill family will will get through it. They're as tough as they come, but it's. Uh, Again, I go back to the 14th coming up, and, and it's BC Superheroes Night, and they're going to honor the first responders. And I'm sure the Warriors are, are going to do something special for Chris and, and his dad, uh, who was a well, well-decorated well firefighter, and, and a, a, he was a hero, um, you know, pulling people out of burning buildings back in his day when firefighting was a little bit uh, different back then and a lot more dangerous back then when someone was doing it. And someone almost died uh, fighting fires and, and saving people's lives. So he was an absolute hero as a firefighter and uh, an absolute icon in, in the lacrosse world. And, and he will be sorely, sorely missed. And, and again, my deepest thoughts and condolences go out to, to the Gale family. I don't know if you ever had a chance to meet someone. Did you, Evan? No, I didn't. And the other, the other condolence we had to hand out, we forgot about this earlier, was to the Tavares family. Yes. John lost his mother. And, you know, to hear that he was in such good spirits, uh, you know, is for the interview was a great thing. But, yeah, our condolences to the Tavares yeah, family Yeah, it's well. something I, I meant to, I, I knew about and something I, I wanted to mention to John. But on the other hand, it... You know, I, I just sent him a text and said, "Sorry, I, I didn't bring it up, but I want to I want to pass along my regards to your family and at the loss of your mother." So, um, absolutely, I'm glad you brought that up as well. And um, you know, I, I again, Evan, it, it's it sucks to to have to bring these sort of things up, but I think on the other side of it, it's I kind of look at it like our responsibility to to inform people of 
of the impact that that guys like Sowen had, not only on the on the on the sport here in BC, but the game as a whole. Like this man dedicated his entire life to the sport of lacrosse, and his impact. I don't like. You'll never really understand how much he did for this game if if you weren't really close to him and and it was all about giving for so and and everything that he did was was either for the sport or or for his for his kids or his grandkids who he was just ever so proud of so uh his celebration of life evan uh, is gonna go wednesday not this wednesday but next wednesday at the burnaby firefighters club um appropriately from 1 to 5 p.m. out there in Burnaby. So if you're local and you want to pay your respects to to Soane and the Gill family, next Wednesday, I believe it's the 18th, out at the Burnaby Firefighters Club, and uh, I will surely be there for that. So um, that's it for episode number 57 here of Lacrosse Classified. I know you got to get off and go coach a soccer game. I'm going to do some editing, and we'll pump this thing out to you tomorrow, Tuesday. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind, the Who You Got This Week is on our Twitter page. It's on our Facebook page. Uh, get your entries in. Even if you know you have missed the first couple of weeks, you can still win the weekly prizes every week. And they're actually quite nice. So you saw... The first one posted on uh, Facebook earlier. Well, there you go. Uh, Kevin Michael Winkler uh, giving out the goods from Stampede Tack and Western Wear. And like Kevin said, even if you miss the first couple of weeks or you you know miss uh, a week here and there throughout the season, you're still in the running for the grand prize. That Your chances go up each time that you play. And if you're consistent with it, your chances will be that much greater. But even if you go you know a week and then you miss a few and you come back, you can still win that weekly prize as well. And uh, we're... We're hitting around the 100 mark. We want to see that number grow as the season goes along. Thanks to Ryan Banesh and John Tavares for stopping by the program. To you, of course, our loyal listener, for checking out Lax Class every single Tuesday right here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Don't forget to follow us on social media. I am at PXP, the number four sports. PXP for sports. Evan is at Shem Lax. The show is at Lax Class or Lacrosse classified subscribe to that podcast people just hit that subscribe button it gets delivered straight to your phone every single week no weeks off here for lax class we'll be back next tuesday with episode number 58 but until then for evan sheminar oh our sponsors of course i gotta get those in evan g wilson construction associated labels and packaging pure vita labs in Stampede Tack and Westerware. Now we're done. For Evan Sheminar, I've been Vancouver to- Warriors. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Evan. Vancouver <laughs> Warriors. Evan, we're done. Evan Sheminar, I've been Jake Kelly for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, we'll talk to you next Tuesday here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All Stars Podcast Network.